Here we go. It's Law and Gospel on this Friday, August the 11th in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And on Fridays, we want to bring you up to date as to what is happening to the Christian church in the world. And today we're taking a look at an email we received about the Communist Party in China is actually rewriting the Bible. It's a part of a push to make religion with a communist point of view. And the Communist Party in China has embarked on a 10-year project to rewrite the Bible and other religious texts. For example, in the Gospel of John, Jesus confronts the accusers of a woman caught committing adultery. And he says, let the one among you who is guiltless be the first to throw a stone at her. The chastened accusers slink away. And Jesus says to the woman, has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she replied. Neither do I condemn you, said Jesus. Go away, and from this moment, sin no more. It's a beautiful story of the repentance of the woman, forgiveness, and mercy from God, unless you are a Chinese communist official. Then it's a story of a dissident challenging the authority of the state, a possible sneak preview of what a Bible with socialist characteristics might look like appeared in a Chinese university textbook in 2020. It had the rewritten Gospel of John, except it doesn't end with mercy, but with Jesus himself stoning the adulterous woman to death. Why? Because they believe that the Communist Party is God. Across the Henan province, local communist officials forced Protestant churches to replace the Ten Commandments with their leaders' quotes. Thou shalt have no other gods before me became instead resolutely guard against the infiltration of Western ideology. This is a 10-year project, as I said, to rewrite the Bible. The Quran and other sacred texts actually are a quest to make the faithful serve the party rather than God. At the 19th Party Congress, Chairman Z declared, we will insist on the synthesization of Chinese religions 
and provide active guidance for religion and socialism to exist. How do we translate what he says? You see, he has no problem with the first commandment as long as he and the Communist Party are playing the role of God. Now, you might expect that the Vatican, the Roman Catholic Church, leaders of the largest Christian congregation in the world, to be incensed and defiant. Unfortunately, you would be wrong. Why? Because in a secret 2018 negotiation, the Vatican agreed to allow the Communist Party to select Catholic bishops in China, supposedly in exchange for vague reassurances of safety for some Catholic congregations. But that was abrogated by the Chinese party. The Chinese party also wants the authority to select the next Dalai Lama, which is a sacred tradition in Tibetan Buddhism. Now, Tibetan Buddhists are attempting to stand up to the Communist Party coercion, but Beijing counters that even Pope Francis, leader of the mighty Catholic Church, accepts their church authority over who should be in leadership. Religion's power is very tantalizing to the Communist Party. What better demonstration of party supremacy than bringing global religions to heel? Now, the Communist Constitution states that citizens enjoy freedom of religious belief. But of course, their definition of freedom bears a much closer resemblance to what we would call oppression. The United Front Work Department, Religious Affairs in China, because religion is a tool to be coerced, <clears throat> co-opted, and corrupted to advance party goals and once harnessed, control people's minds. Now, in communist China, only five faiths are officially recognized. Less established faiths face even more intense persecution. Now, I was unaware of a religious faith called the Falun Gong, F-A-L-U-N-G-O-N-G. -G. And to many outside China, they remain an unfamiliar spiritual practice, but that does not make their suffering 
at the hands of the Communist Party any less real. Now, who are these people in Falun Gong? Well, it was founded by its leader, Lai Hongzi in China in the early 1990s. It actually has its global headquarters in Dragon Springs, a 427-acre compound in Deer Park, New York, United States. It emerged toward the end of Chinese Gigong boom, a period that saw a proliferation of similar practices of meditation, slow-moving energy exercises, and regulated breathing. Falun Gong combines meditation and various exercises with a moral philosophy. The practice emphasizes morality and the cultivation of virtue and identifies as a practice of the Buddhist school, though its teachings also incorporate elements drawn from Taoist traditions. Through moral rectitude and the practice of meditation, the followers of Falun Gong aspire to eliminate attachments and ultimately to achieve spiritual enlightenment. Although initially the practice enjoyed support from Communist Party officials by the mid to late 1990s, negative coverage of Falun Gong began to appear in state-run media. Now, the followers of Falun Gong responded by picketing the source involved and controversy and tension continued to build. The scale of protests grew until April 1999, when over 10,000 practitioners of Falun Gong gathered near the central government compound in Beijing to request legal recognition and freedom from state interferences. This demonstration is widely seen as what precipitated the persecution that followed. In 1999, on the 20th of July, Communist Party leadership initiated a nationwide crackdown and multifaceted propaganda campaign against the Falun Gong. It blocked internet access to websites that mentioned Falun Gong, and in October 1999, declared Falun Gong a heretical organization that threatened social stability. Now, their practitioners in China are reportedly subject to a wide range of human rights abuses, 
Hundreds of thousands are estimated to have been imprisoned and practitioners in detention are subject to forced labor, psychiatric abuse, torture, and other coercive methods of thought at the hands of Chinese communist authorities. As of 2009, human rights groups estimate that at least 2,000 Falun Gong practitioners had died within China as a result of abuse in custody. Data from within China suggests that millions continue to practice Falun Gong in spite of the persecution. Now, outside of China, this religion is practiced in over 70 countries with estimates on the number of adherents as of 2008, ranging from roughly 40,000 to several hundreds of thousands. Now, Falun Gong practitioners are really a law-oriented religion. They founded a variety of outreach organizations in the United States and elsewhere. You may have been familiar with their dancing troupe, Shen Yun. They are known for opposing the Communist Party and for anti-evolutionary views. That is, they don't believe in evolution. They also operate Epoch Media Group, which is known for its worldwide and taught by volunteers. In addition to five exercises in 2001, another meditation activity was introduced called Sending Righteous Thoughts, which is intended to reduce persecution on the spiritual plane. Discussion of supernatural skills also feature prominently within this movement, and the existence of these skills gained a level of mainstream acceptance in China's scientific community in the 1980s. Now, Falun Gong's teachings hold that practitioners can acquire supernatural skills through a combination of moral cultivation, meditation, and exercises. These include, but are not limited to pre-recognition, clairaudience, telepathy, and divine sight, which means the opening of the third eye or celestial eye. However, Falun Gong stresses that these powers can be developed only a in, as a result of moral practice and should not be pursued or casually displayed. Falun Gong teaches that pride in one's abilities 
or the desire to show off are marks of dangerous achievements. And Lee warns as follows, not to be distracted by the pursuit of such powers. It differentiates itself from Buddhist monastic traditions in that it places great importance on participation in the secular world. Practitioners are required to maintain regular jobs and family lives to observe the laws of their respected governments and are instructed not to distance themselves from society. As part of its emphasis on ethical behavior, Falun Gong's teachings prescribe a stick, strict personal morality for practitioners. They are expected to do good deeds and conduct themselves with patience and forbearance when encountering difficulties. For example, their leader, Lai, stipulates that a practitioner of Falun Gong must not hit back when attacked and not talk back when insulted. In addition, they must abandon negative thoughts and behaviors such as greed, deception, jealousy. These teachings contain injunctions against smoking and the consumption of alcohol. So even though many people are unaware of the fallen gong, they are a religion that the Communist Party is persecuting. And that persecution extends even towards Christianity. We see in Tibet the Communist Party's unsanitized, brutal attitude toward religion, while other faiths are persecuted throughout China. Buddhists and Muslims in the far west of the country are facing, quite simply, the attempted annihilation of their faith, and in some cases, even their population. The Communist Party is committing genocide, the crime above all crimes, while some of the world's religious leaders, like Pope Francis, barely murmur a word in opposition. A Ugar poet described in the Atlantic how the communist government had acquired all Ugars to hand over any religious items they held, religious books, prayer rugs, prayer beads, articles of clothing. Now, of course, some in that religion were unwilling to part with their Korans, but with neighbors and even relatives betraying one another, those who kept them 
were quickly found out, detained, and harshly punished by the Communist Party. One Ugar woman related that below the rule is, if I go to your house and I read the Quran or I pray together and the government finds out, I go to jail. Maya Wong, a researcher at Human Rights Watch, summed it up. The Chinese government's religious restrictions are now so stringent that it has effectively outlawed the practice of Islam. Now, we as Christians don't believe in the Muslim teachings. We don't believe that Allah really exists. We know him to be an idol. But we also, from our Christian point of view, don't believe that national governments should persecute other religions for their beliefs. That's what we mean by having the freedom of religion to teach and read. And it gives Christians the opportunity to move into an area and preach the law and the gospel in a way that these religions are unaware of. When these religions use the law, they use it as a way of trying to get on the right side of God. They think by their works, they're going to be saved when their works fall short of the glory of God. Buddhist statues are even being bulldozed. Monasteries are gutted. Mosques are destroyed. In fact, children are forcibly separated from families and packed off to colonial boarding schools where religion and native languages from the following religions are often forbidden. Yet, even under intense persecution, faith persists throughout China. And we even have missionaries of the Lutheran Church in China preaching the message of Jesus Christ. And the number of faithful are growing. There are unthinkable stories of religious oppression, but there are also accounts of underground churches that have brave clergy and steadfast believers, every bit as courageous as the saints in the early church. While Chairman Mao called religion poison, many now believe that the Communist Party's bloodstained record of religious persecution is actually just a battle within the broader 
ongoing war against the human spirit and our very capacity to reach for something higher than we have. The Communist Party wishes for there to be nothing higher than their authority and views love for anything besides their Marxist-Leninist regime with vicious jealousy. In fact, we have one pastor who said the following. The pastor of one Chinese church stated, in this war in Shanghai, in Beijing, the rulers have chosen an enemy that can never be imprisoned, and that is the soul of man. The pastor ended with an assessment that we must make come true, and that is that the Communist Party rulers are doomed to lose. Now, we saw that happen also in Russia when I had the opportunity to go to Novosibirsk, which is in Siberia. That is a seminary of the Lutheran Church. And I was there for some time giving lectures on the difference between law and gospel. And I was very well received by a large congregation of over 200 people. And they were following the theology as found in Luther's small catechism. So don't give up. Pray to the Lord that even in the midst of persecution, we can face what the devil is throwing against us and rely on Jesus for our salvation and the salvation of others. Till Monday's Long Gospel, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.